Hi, everyone. This is Brooke James. Welcome to The Grief Coach. If it is your first time listening, I'm so glad you're here. And if you've listened before, welcome back. Uh, Today, I am very excited. We have with us our first guest from Australia. Brianna Bone is a transformation coach and human potential specialist who facilitates transformation and breakthroughs in the areas of business and mindset. Brianna, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me on. It's yeah, really, really, really exciting. Yeah, definitely. I loved the first conversation we had. I think we scheduled it for 15 minutes and we ended up talking for quite some time. And I think this is going to be a really great conversation today. So thank you for waking up very early and I'm excited to do this. So if you want to introduce yourself and share uh, your grief story so the audience has uh, an idea of where you're coming from today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Super honored to be here and really talk about grief like I have a a pretty interesting relationship with it which I think really is quite indicative and and important to where I am in my life right now um huge part of the journey so for me grief really started out quite potently when I was about 14 Mm -hmm. so that presented itself in the form of my grandfather passing away and you know this man was I just loved him so much. Like he was just the absolute, the the star in my life basically. And, uh, you know, he had cancer and I was in the room with him when he died. It was quite, you know, even though I didn't have the tools to deal with it and we'll go into that a little bit more later, but what I find really special about that is that while I was with him, you know, my grandmother was there too. And I'd actually made her laugh just moments before he'd passed. And in reflection on that, I kind of see that as a way of, you know, he heard her laugh. He felt as though it was time to go. It was okay to go and that everything would be okay. So that was, you know, beautiful to reflect in the moment, but obviously following that, you know, I was quite young. I, I didn't know how to handle it whatsoever. And I really didn't at the time have the supports in place to be able to manage it. So that naturally led into some struggles with mental health what I would say you know soft drug use but but repeated drug use obviously Mm -hmm. you know no drug use is good drug use but it really led to I guess a severing or the beginning of a, a really large fragment in my life which is you know come full circle now and I'm grateful for all of the perspective but that was really the beginning of it until you know, years later, I found myself in a different position in life and grief just came up again, super potently. And that came in the, in the point of, you know, my father passing away, my cat passing away. I'd Mm -hmm. had a miscarriage. What else happened? My relationship broke down. I got hit by a car. What? Um, (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. I tell that story and people are like, are you serious? That's Um, like a tornado of grief. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, in about a two to three year period. And that that one really knocked me for six. Like that's the one. Oh, and I had pretty high level anxiety that I didn't realize at the time as well, just to make things even even better. So all of those things really led me to a point where it was just way too much to handle. But at the time, that's what I felt. But, you know, in, in retrospect, I do believe that we are given things in an amount that we can handle. It's just about finding the resources to be able to deal with it. So for me, while all of those things led me to, in blatant honesty, just not wanting to be alive anymore, they were also mm-hmm. the turning point in me starting to discover a zest for life again. And really that turning point for me happened, you know, between two and three years ago where I really started my life again and 
And I just decided that there was so much more to life that I did deserve to have and that all of these pain points actually in their beautiful kind of hidden way, they all held a meaning that became a platform for me to, to really serve and really yield this high level of compassion that I have now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. What a story. Thank you for sharing that. I want to go back to something that you said about the perspective you have now of it's given you your all of this grief you experienced really gave you a gift to get in touch with what are your inner gifts and being able to share those. And I think that is something so wonderful. And that's a point that's amazing to be able to get to. Personally, I remember someone early on saying, well, there's a little bit of beauty in death. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, And now, two years after the fact, I am at a place where I do recognize that because of what happened to my dad, it really changed the course of my life and what my values, getting back in touch with my values. It sounds like that's what happened to you too. Can you talk a little bit about the journey to getting there? Because I don't want listeners to think that that's just something that happens immediately if someone has recently gone through a loss. Yeah, totally. So naturally there is, you know, a grief cycle that is involved. And I think it's important to not expect yourself to come to that full resolution where you come full circle immediately. Like it's totally natural to be experiencing the spectrum of emotions and and Mm -hmm. work out like what you think about it, how you feel about it and come to that gentle space. And it's really important to honor that space in any point of loss. What happens though, is that I find that sometimes that goes on probably for too long, even though there's no time period for everyone, every time period is different depending who you are, but there gets a point where we really get stuck in looking in the loss. So we hurt Mm -hmm. so much because something is not there. We feel like there's something that's been taken from us, forgetting that Mm -hmm. there's so much love and, and even learning that came from that relationship or that person. There was so much that was gifted to us that we always have with us forever And that doesn't go away. And what I find really special about that is that instead of feeling heartbroken, there's a beautiful way to be able to transmute that, if you will, into empowerment, into something that propels you forward. And it's Mm -hmm. in those, in that perspective and in those gifts that you can really start to do, you know, wonderful things in your life, you know, in your own life and in the life of others. That's amazing. I love the way that you phrase that. So you had before this kind of lost tornado, um, as I named it, you had been in the field of mental health. Is that correct? Yeah. So my work in mental health really started after all of that happened. So it started after the tornado, after I didn't want to be alive. And Mm -hmm. I find that that really served me to be in that position like one of the greatest things that you can give people is genuine hope not just like you know kind of saying that you know things will just get better without really knowing because you don't know what to say but having gone through something to the point where you know what's possible and you can really shine hope into people's lives because so often people people don't have hope and they get stuck in the you know well if you know they get stuck in the if so I don't know if things will get better 
rather than the how. So accepting that things will get better. It's just how is that going to happen? What's that going to look like? And that's it's really served me, you know, training people in mental health now, working with people on a hands-on level in, you know, psychosocial outreach, that sort of thing, bridging all the way up to to coaching. You know, mental health is obviously a constant. It just depends on, you know, the varying degrees that you that you experience kind of health and illness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Completely. And it because of your experience that you had as a teenager, were you, did you know immediately that you wanted to go into mental health or was it just as you were kind of deciding what direction you wanted your initial career to take, you were like, oh no, this makes sense based on the experience I had. If you can share a little bit about that decision-making yeah definitely I think I I thought less about it when I was doing it and more about it later like I think that Uh sometimes the events that life unfolds for us lead us to certain certain places and it just seems to make sense and definitely after the fact I was like oh okay yeah I've been through all the stuff it makes sense that I use my experience to be able to serve people at the time it was uh really just a natural direction and I, it was also quite, you know, quite healing for me as well. But I think that, you know, I mean, there's that saying that, you know, everything that happens in your life prepares you for something else. Yeah. I really believe that for myself, that I'm so much more able to serve in all of these areas in particular because of the skill set and the gift set, which was disguised in, as pain once upon a time, mm. um, which I think is, is, is so beautiful to be able to put that lens on. Yeah. Wow. And that takes a lot of emotional maturity. And I love that you can be looking at your pain as this gift set because I mean, personally, that was like really, really hard. And I still, I think I'm at the point where I'm like, no, I'd give it all back if he could come back while being in pain. I'm at the same time, like grateful that it did allow me to be more vulnerable with people. It did allow me to you know, be providing a platform to talk about this and be changing the conversation a bit because it is something that is so painful for so many people. And just to like, not be able to hear about it, have a space to talk about it, whatever it is, is crazy um, because it's something everyone goes through. But I like when we first talked, I was so impressed and like moved by your attitude towards all of this. I'm so excited to hear more about it and share with the audience and have the audience hear from you. I think it's really exceptional. Um, So you're welcome. You mentioned it a little bit, but you have this philosophy that trauma and pain help us in identifying purpose. And you mentioned that, you know, we're not given anything we can't handle. However, like when you are in the moment, especially after the fact and still like reconciling your grief, if you have any advice, I'd love if you can expand on this, but then also if you have any tips, like you're a mental health professional of like what worked for you or suggestions you have for people on how to kind of move through some of this trauma and pain to get to a point where you can be identifying your purpose. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you uh, brought me back to that as well because I had that say on the last point, but it just left my mind. <laughs> awesome. So perfect. That does bring me back to how the emergence of the, the mental health stuff came into play. So I'm a big believer that purpose emerges when the conditions are right. 
And what I mean by that, and it's similar to from a mental health perspective, what you can do to be able to help get yourself to that point. So it's all about set and your settings so your mindset and the things like the thoughts that you cultivate that sort of thing like the attitude mm-hmm. the emotions and it's also your setting so the environment that you're in the people that you're hanging out with you know the, the people you can look up to the the kind of magic seasoning in your life if you will that you can sprinkle through your soup of life yeah. um and then and then the holistic version of you so looking at things like you know health and fitness um, your physical environment, your your connection with spirituality, like family, friends, relationships, those sorts of things. And then being able to show up in ways where you can just communicate. So I'm also a big believer that there's so much wisdom that comes through different points of relation. And it's so important to be communicating with people because one, we get to help people so greatly with what we say, but two, we get to learn more about ourselves just from potently showing up. Uh, and there's so mm. much magic happen in a conversation so putting all of those things in place you know when the conditions are right purpose emerges that's how it happened for me just mm-hmm. I wasn't you know obviously I'd engaged a search for purpose I'd wanted to find it but I was also just kind of putting it out there for the magic to happen while I put all of the key pillars in my life in place for something to naturally occur because it was once that I was grounded in my health grounded in you know more in my mindset I was working on my emotional landscape but that really popped in and it was then that I was really ready to to integrate it and put it into action so I think that if you're on the search for purpose that's crucial but also if you're in a place where you're still healing and you're still processing it's really about self-care on that on that deep level it's about your mindset it's about your setting and just mm-hmm. creating the appropriate conditions for like your mind and, and your emotional landscape. Like there's such a fertile environment. So it's important that you're being, you know, reasonably diligent in the kind of the kind of seeds that you're planting, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I love that you said that because I'm such a believer in like where you put your energy is where things are gonna flourish. And a lot of this like self-care, I think it's been like co-opted to mean like put on a face mask, <laughs> but really a it's <laughs> a bubble bath. And those are both very important things, but like the deep self-care work is so much mindset is so much showing up to where is important. And I um, also think like being vulnerable and getting in touch with those feelings, like it's really hard, but it's so important. And like, I worked, I still work with a therapist and she's been like really critical in my moving through this. But also I think like the fact that I have like normalized talking about it through the podcast, like, I think that's been really helpful because for a lot of people they're like, oh, okay, this is really sad. And they don't maybe have people they can talk about this with and they maybe like don't feel comfortable or they are not making time they don't have time whatever it is but the self-care piece and the showing up and like being open with like your feelings is so so important and I don't want to say it's easy it's not easy but like you get to this point or I got to this point it sounds like you did that like you emerge stronger I want the audience to understand that like it's not immediate and it takes quite a bit of time. Yeah, absolutely. And it really is exactly what you said about being able to be really real and courageously vulnerable about what's going on for you. 
And, you know, one of the biggest things is trust. Like if you've been able to look back on your life and see something that hasn't been so great, but it's led to an unfolding of a part of you or it's led to something else that has served you in your life. When you have that, pardon me, when you have that hindsight, it's a lot easier to kind of shift that a little bit forward and just trust that even though you don't understand the meaning or the reason yet, there's mm-hmm. a, such an opportunity for you to uncover that if you just keep going in the process and be really real and open with yourself. And, you know, in terms of going through processes and things like that, like I'm a big believer that do hold wisdom. Mm-hmm. That said, like it's really important to honour that natural process beforehand. However, you can get to a point in your healing when you go deep into a process. Maybe it's a coaching technique, maybe it's some timeline or NLP or something where you can actually start to zone in and unlock the wisdom that is within that pain point for you. Because I think a lot of the time when people experience loss, there's like major negative emotions that come out that also lead them to making decisions about themselves that aren't true. So people are so hurt and then maybe they decide that, well, I'm not worthy or I don't deserve to be loved or I won't find someone, which is, it's it's not true at all. It's like on the deepest level, you are worthy, you are loved, you do deserve all of that and more. So what I love about that is that people are able to see that that's an illusion that they have been feeding because they've been hurt and it also keeps them safe from putting themselves out there again. But if you do look at it and you acknowledge that it's there and you kind of claim it, if you will, you can zone in to that, that wisdom and bring it back into a, a space that does really make you unstoppable and helps you get back on that trajectory when, you know, you're, you're starting to live the life that you genuinely do deserve to be living. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love that because I do think like when you experience this intense hurt and grief, whether it is because of the loss of a loved one, whether it is because loss of a job, a relationship, a pet, like I've gotten to the point now where I understand grief is the same emotion, even if it's not grief from loss of a loved one. Whereas right after my dad died, someone was like, I'm grieving the death of my marriage. And I was like, so offended (laughs) that they would like use that language. But now I'm like, oh no, that's the same emotion. And that's just the language that they have to deal with it and how, how they're talking about it. But it's really, really easy after an intense loss to put walls around yourself because you don't want to hurt that badly again. Mm -hmm. And that process of going through and doing that work is so critical because otherwise you're just going to fence yourself off and not show that vulnerability. And my dad always said like vulnerability is what gets you everything that's worthwhile. But like this advice that he gave my cousins and I when we were all 24, like, and listeners have heard me talk about this before, like really stuck with me. And he talked about it a lot that like vulnerability is so key. And so I love that. That is what you're talking about. And as well as you're sharing this philosophy. Yeah, I think it's so important, particularly in a way of of serving yourself on a deep level and being able to unlock your potential. I'm a big believer of potential. And I do believe that the things that happen in our lives are sometimes gifts in disguise to help unlock that. But something that I also really believe strongly is that we're all in our own way, kind of leading the way and walking with and for each other home. And Mm. I think that the space of vulnerability, like not only do you 
honor yourself to be able to be really real with you and and you know be on board with that great unfolding but you also give others permission to do it too particularly when you look at grief like so many people don't give themselves permission to have a raw vulnerable experience you know maybe because they feel like it's not okay or you know they, they put walls up or maybe people don't want to hear about it but honestly like <clears throat> I find it interesting like I'm super big on on transparent content so when I'm, mm-hmm. I'm putting out my coaching content I find that all of the stuff where I'm just being super transparent and super vulnerable those are always the things that people appreciate the most because it's so human and it gives yeah. people permission and that I think is really important to acknowledge yeah that is so real and I love that you brought it back to content because it's so interesting when I put out stuff of like that's a little bit more uh high level whatever way whether it's on LinkedIn whether it's on Instagram whatever way less interaction than the stuff that is more real and vulnerable and um my cousin and I were talking about it this weekend because it was the two-year anniversary of um my dad's death and I like I mean I talk about it on my podcast Instagram all the time but I wrote something out on my personal Instagram and was like these are ways you can honor him and like we went to his favorite restaurant for lunch and like we found these jazz musicians like on 70th and Columbus and it was like the drummer there was like the person who was playing at the last show that my dad and my cousin went to see together and like he met my dad there were just so many signs and I talk about it online because I like to I don't know (laughs) and so many people my cousin and I were talking about it because she also posted like a really nice tribute to my dad interacted with the content in such a lovely way and it was so moving because I like listed ways you could honor my dad of like go to your favorite restaurant and have a four hour lunch. Like he loved a long lunch, like listen to your favorite, like jazz musician, go to a museum, like be vulnerable, like spend time with people you care about, whatever, whatever. And so many people who had never met him were like, I'm going to go do something. I love this tribute and said so many nice things, but I posted something again the day after. And I was like, I'm so moved by how many of you sent such kind messages And a friend said something to the effect of it's because you're being so vulnerable and like that's what people are drawn to. So all of that, I guess, to say, I am also having the same experience with my content when I put it out there. And I think it's so interesting. What suggestions do you have as a mental health professional and as a coach to get people more comfortable with the idea of vulnerability? I think it's it's really that that loving encouragement you know so obviously people such as yourself doing that really does give permission to be able to do that themselves and I think I really love what you said about you know how to honor people because what that does is it really brings in presence and I think that one of the the greatest things that particularly someone who has passed gives us really is presence And I think as well, it's that shift in perspective that that presence doesn't go away. Like the presence is still present in the memory or the emotions, like the good stuff that you have always experienced from that person. And Mm -hmm. I think that like with that in mind, there's that presence always travels with you throughout your life. So I think that's a slightly different shift. Like I'm really all about taking empowerment from the situation and how does it serve you and how does it keep you whole? I think wholeness is really big. You know, sometimes people get stuck in the fragments kind of forgetting that they're just a little bit of a, a different perspective from wholeness. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, 
I forgot your question. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> no, you're doing great. You're doing great. I love the way that you speak about this. My question was how to encourage people who are uh, comfortable with vulnerability. How do they get more comfortable with it? Yeah, absolutely. Repetition. So people people doing it and, you know, it inspiring others is huge. Like usually no one wants to go first in in being vulnerable, which is okay. But, yeah. you know, when you're someone who has been vulnerable in a while, you become seasoned in it, you can invite other people to be vulnerable too. And I think as a coach or someone who has a podcast, it could be, you know, just putting up your content and then kind of prompting people, like inviting people to engage, talking openly about about vulnerability and just so much openness and inviting the conversation. Yeah. It yeah. does take courage, you know, but the thing about the thing about courage is that once you take that courageous step outside of your comfort zone and start to traverse the learning zone, like surely soon enough the unknown becomes known and then your comfort expands. The thing is then is that you're just more authentic, more embodied and serving even more people because you've literally expanded your reach. And I think it's important to realise the reason for doing things as well. And if the reason for doing things is this continuous learning, this continuous expansion of, of potential and, and support, then like for me anyway, that's that's always a reason to keep going forward and to be mildly uncomfortable because I do know that on a deep level it really serves yeah and getting over that mild discomfort of kind of naming your feelings almost like I think it's really easy to get stuck in anger and I've been like really into self-help books lately and like mindset and psychology etc and I was reading this book that was like anger is the easiest emotion to feel and it's normally a mask for other emotions and I think especially those who are really new into their grief journey anger is really easy like heartbreak and anger were really what I felt after my dad died because Mm -hmm. I was like I can't believe that this happened like and so when I was like had enough energy to like not be heartbroken like anger was the easiest emotion to feel, but people move through grief differently. Some people like to journal. Like I try journaling and like, it doesn't really work for me. I don't like it. I really like to talk to people about it. Hence why I have podcasts every week. And, <laughs> and I talk to my friends and family about it and I like to move my body and there's all sorts of different things you can do, but really doing that thinking of like, well, I'm really angry because I'm like jealous of people who's are going to get to do XYZ with their dad. And like, I kind of feel like it's not fair that they get to do it and I don't get to do it. Like that's harder to do (laughs) and say, or like, we didn't get to address XYZ. Like I know we've had guests and have talked to people who they feel like they have unfinished business. And so they're angry. They never get to finish and talk and resolve a certain issue. So that's a lot harder and a lot more vulnerable to feel. So I love that you said to like really dig deep and to be naming the emotions and whether it's writing them down, whether it's speaking them out loud, like whatever it is, I've done a lot of breath work. I really find that to be helpful in moving energy through my body. But I love that you said to be naming the emotions because I found that to be really, really key. Yeah, absolutely. And and to really honor and acknowledge the emotions in themselves, like 
emotions really can be such a potent navigation system, especially when you're dealing with something that's that's tough, like loss. It's like if you are experiencing anger, like that's okay. Allow yourself to experience it, but maybe put a time limit on it. So maybe just go and throw some hacky sacks at the wall for five, ten minutes and then see how you feel. Allow mm-hmm. it to pass through in a healthy way and then assess and then see what's next for you. So I think I think that's really important not to avoid it, but to see, you know, what's in that, what can I do with this? Let it move through. And then of course, also like if you if you're starting to feel as though that's getting too intense and it's going on for too long, you can obviously look at changing your physiology or changing the thing that you're focusing on. And that's gonna start to change your emotions as well and bring in like a little bit of fresh air to help you manage it even better, basically. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And that fresh air can take so many different forms. Some people find a lot of comfort in a routine, but sometimes it's important to like change the routine a little bit to bring some fresh air in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much to be gained in in doing things a little bit differently. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, (laughs) So one concept that we spoke about when we first talked was this statute of limitation on grief, which I think we had a larger conversation on like preconceived ideas on grief. So you had mentioned like your cat died and that was very upsetting for you. And some people like did not understand that. So I'd love to talk a little bit about how other people can be more sensitive and hold more space to grief they don't understand. And then also just that concept of it takes however long it takes and for people to not put a statute of limitation on it. Yeah, absolutely. My biggest one with that statute for sure was when I miscarried. And that was like, that one knocked me for six. Hey, like I, you know, fortunately I had a healthy son after that. So, you know, something that I'm strangely grateful for, which has taken some work is to get to that point where I'm, I'm really grateful to have been able to literally experience like death internally to have been Mm. able to experience the healthy growth of a child to the point where like I honor my son and I's relationship so much because it's it's been the process of as he's grown and I've helped him grow he's supported me and he kind of feels like he brought me back to life in a way which is really special and really deep but when I was in that space where I was so heartbroken and destroyed and I just, I could barely even function. One of the most hurtful things that someone had said to me was, I think I'd, I'd gone about three months in this space. And it was just like saying something along the lines of, you know, when are you going to get over this? I thought you'd be over it by now. And I was just oh. like, like feeling totally invalidated. How can you not understand the amount of pain that I'm going through right now? Mm. Um And that was so, so hurtful. Like in retrospect, I did a process around it and that was basically just at the time, like I couldn't see outside of my own grief. So I was just like, how dare you? How could you? That's so hurtful. At the time, I didn't realize that that person was really hurting too. And they were struggling to see me hurting so much and they didn't know how to handle it. And obviously there wasn't much tact in there, but that, that came from a place of hurt from them too. I think that had I been a fly on the wall or another person, I probably would have consulted that person and been like, hey, you know, just just go and talk to Brie about how she's feeling. Ask her about what things are like for her. Is there any practical help that you can do? You know, have, have you asked her if she wants to go and talk to someone? Like maybe you're not the person she wants to talk with, that sort of thing, especially from a mental health lens, like giving people that initial support. 
obviously grief's natural, but in these moments you want to be mindful to to see if it's turning into like a kind of a prolonged mental health thing as well. And even if it's not, the principles are pretty much the same. You just want to be kind of finding a safe space and time to talk with the person. You know, you want to be assessing what things are like for them. So what have you noticed kind of behaviorally and physically about them that's changed? Just ask some questions like what are things like for you? give any information if you think that there might be either kind of professional services or alternative services that could help make suggestions about the importance of making sure your diet's on point get them to go out for a walk maybe and see some sunshine just be a companion with them and allow them to kind of let some freshness come in and a lot of people once they get a little bit of goodness in their life they'll kind of cultivate it and it will help them along but I think Mm -hmm. that's really where presence comes in again too and just having a little bit of a blueprint of the kind of the things and the skills and parts of the conversation to help someone on their way like one of the greatest or two of the greatest gifts that you can give people is hope and time Mm. and if you haven't been through something where you can comfortably give hope you can definitely give time And that's just dropping in to compassion, like leaving the judgment at the door and just showing up there for them. I love that so much. I just wrote that down. Um, (laughs) I I love that you have said that because I think that people, when looking to comfort, they overcomplicate it. Like it really is as simple as hope and time. And people like think it has to look like this other thing. So they either don't say anything or they say the wrong thing or whatever. And I talk about this a lot on the podcast because that was something I was so struck by that people like didn't know what to say or like they'd be like, how can I help? I can't think about how you can help me. Like, I don't know. But I had so many friends and who just didn't know what to say. Mm -hmm. But it's really as simple as like, checking in on someone it's as simple as like sending a text that includes don't feel like you have to respond right now thinking about you like people I think really overcomplicate it so I love that it is just as simple as like checking in on someone as giving them like space to feel what they're feeling because I don't know if you felt this but as the griever sometimes you're like well why is it taking me so long did you have that a little bit. I think that it, it was something that I totally became stuck into and it just really snowballed. And I think that I was probably so absorbed in my grief that I didn't even stop to think, why is this taking me so long? I just don't think that I knew that it would end until mm. obviously I did and things changed. So I do get how real that thing is. And I also remember that that was a time in my life where I didn't have a lot of people checking in and Mm. the people who did pull me aside and have conversations with me those are some of the things that actually led to me changing my life and being the person I am today sometimes people won't always get back to you straight away like if they're grieving but they will always remember that you did something and they'll totally remember how you helped them to feel 100% like I can speak volumes to that I totally agree. Like the showing up is really like, I remember very distinctively of who went that extra step and really made me feel so supported. And I love that you gave examples on how to do that. Gosh, is, I feel like we got everything on our list. Is there anything else that we want to talk about? (laughs) 
I really feel like we kicked some goals here. It's been fantastic. I think it really just is that acknowledgement of being able to see everything as an opportunity to be able to uncover your potential, to be able to engage in this great unfolding and just know that even the spiky points, even sometimes those mountains are so high that you don't think you're ever going to get over them. There's mm-hmm. always something in there that's for you. Like I genuinely believe that so much in life happens for you. It's just a matter of you choose to see it that way and I know that it's obviously a lot easier for me to say that now that I've been through it than it was once upon a time Mm -hmm. but I feel like I'm someone who with great confidence can really speak into that yeah absolutely and I like that you call them spiky points I (laughs) good vocab but it is like for so many people who are in the grief community online or just listeners who like are not active looking at Instagrams or Facebook groups or whatever it is like I think just I want to underscore for people that this is hard and you can move through it and like you will glean some sort of learnings from it and it sucks. It's not a fun way to learn it, but you do end up learning something kind of if you let it to get a little bit more perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you can really believe that, you know, you won't ever be given anything that can handle, then it isn't a question of it. It's a question of how, and it's a question of resources and it's a question of supports. And, you know, it's, it's also not having the expectation of, there being any certain time frame, but also giving yourself permission to start to feel good again because you do deserve it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I loved this conversation. Thank you so much. Do you want to tell people where to find you online if they want to hear more from you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on most of the the big social medias. So you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. So Instagram is I am Brianna Bone, and then Facebook's just Brianna Bone. Yeah, feel free to add me on my my personal page. That's where I uh, am the most vulnerable and put out most of my content. Happy to to continue the conversation with anyone who resonates with for sure. Oh, wonderful. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for all of these, this vulnerability and your perspective. I really enjoyed the conversation. Oh, thank you so much. Like it's such an honor for me really to be able to get to a point where I'm I'm talking about this in the perspective of, you know, hopefully others who are listening are finding a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of hope. Like it gives so much meaning to everything that I've been through to even just be here now speaking about mm-hmm. it with you. So thank you so mm-hmm. much. All right. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. You can find us online at thegriefcoach.co and on social at the underscore grief coach. If you want to write a nice review on Apple Podcasts, nice reviews only, it helps other people looking for this type of content find it. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Bye.